You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast. I'm Stephen Simcox, your host, and we're kicking off a new week. Uh, Going to start here with some TCU football talk. Want to discuss the frogs and a lot of news. I mean, they closed out their recruiting class at the end of last week. Uh, there's an assistant coach on the move, and then in segment two, want to get into uh, basketball. Unfortunate loss to Kansas State, and the big news that Mike Miles is injured. What does that mean for this team moving forward? We'll try to hit all that in the course of the show. First, though, this 2022 class is complete, uh, according to 247 Sports. The, they finished 45th in the nation, 8th in the Big 12, had 14 signed letters of intent. Now, if you factor in the guys that transferred in, the class gets a much higher grade. It's up there in the low 30s, high 20s. Um, so I think overall the staff did a pretty good job. But a couple additions that were made during the second signing day. So Ronald Lewis, a corner from New Orleans, who was a longtime commit to Texas. And it seemed like what happened there was basically UT – Got to a point where they said, hey, you know, we're not sure we have room for you. We might have to gray shirt you. So he moved on and looked elsewhere, ends up at TCU. 6'1", 170 pounds. Um, another corner, he joins Kyron Chambers from South Oak Cliff as a uh, big-time corner DB in this class. Fast kid. He plays second in the 110-meter hurdles, ran a 14.31, and placed third as a junior at the uh, Louisiana 4A state meet in May of 2021. So he's got speed, has pretty good size and length. Um, I think this is a good pickup for TCU, an opportunistic find. A guy that, okay, didn't necessarily work out for him at one school, come over here, join this class, and uh, some more help in the secondary. Pretty strong look in the secondary for TCU, getting Lewis, getting Kyron Chambers, and then Chance Biddle, the four-star safety from Garland. Got to like what they did uh, in the back end of that defense. Another addition to uh, the team was Connor Lindgren, a defensive lineman at College Station. Um, he had a pretty good list of offers, and it came down to TCU and Purdue. Vandy was also uh, high on him. College Station, one of the better programs in the state, um, very good defensively, always a hard-nosed defensive team. That's their identity. And, again, this kid with great size, 6'5", 308 pounds. So you're seeing already um, the emphasis on getting Bigger, stronger defensive lineman that will fit in this 3-3-5 scheme that Joe Gillespie brings to town. Um, he's an interior D lineman uh, who can fit in multiple fronts. So I like this pickup as well. Again, more beef, more size. Add him with Dominic Williams. Um, and that's a pretty good one-two punch that you have there in the interior. Also, Doug Blue, Eli, the transfer, the Juco transfer. Some big-time size. From uh, the D-line, all those guys over 300 pounds and hopefully with a chance to get in the mix on the interior right away. And then, of course, um, another big addition for TCU was four-star wide receiver DJ Allen from Gladewater. Uh, Florida was hot on his heels. He committed the day before signing day. Malcolm Kelly able to reel him in. So I think overall they finished pretty strong. Now, AJ Allen ended up in Nebraska, the running back um, from Louisiana, who TCU had been high on for a long time, old staff, you know, got in on him early. Um, so he moves on, and I think that's probably why you saw some transfer running backs come in in the past few weeks, like Traylon Smith from Arkansas and Monty Bailey from Louisiana, is that they kind of knew 
uh, communication had gone cold there a little bit, and they needed to look elsewhere and make sure they had some running backs behind Kendra Miller and potentially DeMarco Foster, depending on his how healthy he is going into next season. But, um, again, I, I think the staff did a good job of finding players that they want, finding players that have high upside, obviously bringing in some guys from SMU helped. Um, and I feel like overall it's a pretty smooth transition for the Frogs, and they close strong there. And really the 2023 class will be the group that you kind of look at to see, okay, how impactful is this staff really going to be? And this is an important part of the job because, as Sonny Dykes has said, talent, talent acquisition is number one. Like, that's priority number one. Um, you have to have dudes. And that's what the staff kind of hangs their hat on. That's sort of their identity. Whether they want to be uh, called that or not, that's what people expect when it comes to the staff that they assemble there at TCU. Now, on the bad news front, um, one of those guys, one of those young coaches that we're excited about, defensive line coach Chidita Uzo-Dribe, um, he's moving on already. He had a very short tenure at TCU. He has moved on to Georgia, and he will be the outside linebackers coach from Kirk, for Kirby Smart. Now, obviously, Georgia coming off a national title, um, I, I think – Right now, they're the top program in the country. Now, I feel like long-term and kind of looking at it from um, a future perspective, they're probably right behind Alabama as the team that you would expect to be a factor in the college football playoff and the national championship race the next few seasons. They seem like the program that's most likely, and maybe you could throw Clemson and Ohio State in this mix as well, but they seem like the program that's most likely to maybe even consistently challenge that death machine that is Alabama um, through the next few years. But all that being said, this is still a big loss. It's still a significant loss. Uh, you understand why he's making that move. George is a great, a great program. That's a great job. Um, but to only have them for a few months, that hurts. Now, you hope that these relationships he built through the recruiting process, that all those guys are, you know, not just TCU Horn Frogs because of their relationship with him but that they've gotten to know some of the other coaches on the staff and feel pretty comfortable at where they're at. And you hope that maybe there's been some communication before this started getting leaked, that it might happen, that there's been some communication between, um, you know, the two sides of, hey, I might be moving on, and if I do, this is what it's going to look like. But uh, there's no way to sugarcoat it, really. I mean, it's it's a, a big loss for TCU, just from the perspective of they couldn't hold on to him. Um, but it does allow – then make a hire now, you know, we'll see kind of what Joe Gillespie's thought process is and what he wants in a D-line coach moving forward. And uh, hopefully you can find a good young coach to replace him. And there'll be a lot of options on the table, I'm sure. When we come back, we'll discuss TCU basketball. They fell to K-State over the weekend. Mike Miles was out in that game, uh, from that game with an injury. How big is that down the stretch? And how big is this game against Oklahoma State on Tuesday? We'll discuss all that next. On Locked On Horn Frogs. All right, segment two of Locked On Horn Frogs. Um, let's talk TCU basketball. And the Frogs faced off with Kansas State on Saturday night, and they got beat up by the Wildcats, 75 to 63. That drops them to 15 and five on the season and four and four in conference play. Um, at one point in the second half, they cut that lead to 39-37. Went on, I'm thinking like a nine to four run at a halftime. Looked like they might get back in it, but K State. Um, immediately extended that lead out to 10 or 12 points, and then TCU could never really recover. Had some chances late in that game. Another really tough day at the free throw line, uh, which is becoming the norm for this team, 59%, 13 to 22 
from the charity stripe. Just not good enough. But all that being said, the big news coming down from this game was that Mike Miles re-aggravated that wrist injury on Friday in practice and could not play. Um, so he was out, and he was listed as day-to-day. Don't know what his status is for Tuesday against Oklahoma State, but I'll say this. It's really interesting, man, how perspectives can shift. You know, Mike has been really good all season. He hasn't been as consistent. I'll say this. He has not been as consistent as you would hope um, or would like him to be at times, but the bottom line is he is a gifted player, a really great scorer, and there have been times this year where he struggled um, you know, one game that comes to mind is like the Iowa State game. I remember he was just having a rough day, was struggling to score, um, and was getting frustrated. And Jamie pulled him out for a couple minutes, and it was just like, okay, let's sit him down. Let's try to let him get his head straight, get a breather. And But you could tell, even though he wasn't playing well that day, and it was another game where he didn't score until you know, the second half, like – his presence on the floor just makes such a difference on offense. And this year he's averaged 15 points a game, three rebounds, four assists. But it's more than the point production. Like, you really just have to watch the game and understand that the attention that he commands from the opposing defense makes everything on offense flow better. And it makes all the players on the floor better. Uh, You know, Damian Ball on Saturday had a pretty good night. He had 17 points. He was 6 of 14 from the field. Two of eight from the free throw line, which is just not good enough. Um, but all that being said, like, Baugh is better when he's kind of that number two scorer. Now, he can be a number one guy, but I think his he's been his best this season when he's kind of a secondary option. Emmanuel Miller had 13 points, and he was five of eight from the field. But Emmanuel Miller, I think, is at his best when he doesn't have to focus on scoring. He can kind of be a guy that brings energy, plays great defense, gets rebounds. And there's so many factors to this. So one is, I think if Miles is going to be out for an extended period of time, which you hope he's not, because honestly, like, I don't know how this team functions long-term without him. You saw Saturday. I mean, I will give them some grace by saying they only had 24 hours, right? He was hurt on Friday. They had to play Saturday. They didn't have a lot of time to figure this out. But you you can just tell, um, one, the team doesn't function as well. It doesn't flow as well. But also, like, they're just – because Maxwell Evans and Shada Wells have been out all year with injuries, you don't really think about them as being factors on the team. But with Miles out, I mean, you're really down to two guards. Like, Damian Ball played 39 of 40 minutes on Saturday. Francisco Farabella had to play 33 minutes. Like, they just don't have any more ball handlers that can that can be on the floor. Um, Micah Peavy is a great defender, but he just can't score. I mean, he's just not a guy that's going to score the basketball. So you need Miles back. But if he's not back, I think you have to start finding a way to feed Eddie Lampkin and Emmanuel Miller. Like, you've got to get them the ball. Because I felt like the offense was at its best when it was running through them on Saturday. Um, So you need to feed those guys. The tricky part about that is, you have to have your ball handlers get the ball up the floor and then get good passes in places where those guys can score. But the bottom line is they need help. Like, they, they need Miles back. Everything works better when he's out there on the floor. And you saw Saturday the challenges that are presented um, 
not only offensively, but defensively, too. I mean, they gave up 75 points to K-State. Nigel Pack had a huge game. He had 20 points on the night. But it was a pretty balanced effort uh, from the Wildcats. I mean, it was just anybody and everybody was scoring. And those guards with a, with a limited guard rotation, you could tell Farabella is just not the best defender. But both him and Ball were pretty winded. And it was hard for them to stay in front of those guards. And you saw guys getting in the lane and kicking it out. So, um, credit to Kansas State. They made a lot of tough shots. But TCU has to bounce back now. And I, I said earlier in the year, I was like, hey, don't, like, don't just drill down on every single game. It's like this is a pivotal game. This is a must-win game. But Tuesday kind of feels like a must-win game. You're playing Oklahoma State at home. And – you get two games against West Virginia, who's struggling. You get a home game against Iowa State. But this is maybe the most winnable game left on your schedule. I mean, once you get past this, you're halfway through the conference slate, and you've got um, five of your last nine games. Again, or really, I, I would say six of your last nine games, you're probably going to be an underdog against Texas Tech, against Kansas um, twice, against Baylor, and then against Texas you're probably going to be an underdog in all six of those games. And if you end up four and five, losing to Oklahoma State on Tuesday, and you have to go, you have to get four or five wins in the back half of the schedule, it's going to be tough to do. So they need to find a way to stabilize themselves and get a victory on Tuesday. That's obviously going to be much easier if Miles is healthy. Now, the x-ray was negative. The MRI was negative. So there's no structural damage. Um, I imagine this is just a matter of can he function, can he play through the pain, will he be able to be himself? And, and I don't know the answers to those questions. We're not going to know until if and when he hits the floor, whether it be Tuesday or down the line. But they, they need to find a way to win this basketball game. And uh, losing to K-State was a killer. I mean, there's no way around it. Even without Miles, that's a game you got to find a way to win. And I've admired how tough-minded this team has been throughout the season. But it's just unfortunate now this is twice this year where you've had a good atmosphere, a good opportunity, like a great crowd, a crowd that was ready to just go crazy and have some fun and blow the top off the building. Um, but you just couldn't bring the energy to match that. So hope the Mike's back. Hope that Eddie Lamp can, you know, can make some things happen, that Damian Ball can step up, Emmanuel Miller, uh, whether he's in the lineup or not. But, man, this is a huge game now against Oklahoma State because you had an unexpected loss to K-State at home. And, and to a certain extent, that's Big 12 basketball. But for a team like this, that's kind of in the middle of the pack in the league. You just can't afford to lose games like they did on Saturday night. So don't let one loss become two. That's that's the big challenge now. That'll do it for Locked on Horn Frogs. We'll have coverage of uh, basketball and football all week long. Baseball coming up a week from uh, this weekend. So, That'll be fun. That's all will be previewed and discussed on Locked On Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.